I'm not sure there's much better than beating up on the Yankees on national TV and taking a series from the evil empire. But that's just what the Orioles did this weekend, taking two of three from New York. And I'll recap it all coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast. You are Locked On Orioles, your daily Baltimore Orioles podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, Orioles fans. Today is Monday, July 31st, 2023, and welcome back in to the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, Connor Newcomb. And coming up on today's episode, we are going to recap the Orioles' weekend series win over the Yankees as the O's take two out of three from New York to maintain that first place spot in the AL East. I'll start with a recap of Sunday night baseball with the Orioles exploding for seven runs in the first inning. Then we'll talk about the dramatic win on Friday with Grayson Rodriguez dominating and Santander hitting the walk-off homer. And finally, we'll hit on the one piece of negative news from the weekend. Another rough start for Tyler Wells, and the Orioles have sent him to the minors. So what is next for the O's rotation? That's all coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast. But before we get there, just did want to thank you for making Locked On Orioles your first podcast listen of the day. We're free and available on all podcast listening platforms. And make sure to like, comment, and subscribe right here on the Locked On Orioles YouTube channel. Thank you to the everydayers out there that have been there every single day following along with the pod, following along with a first place Orioles team. Can't thank you enough for that. And listen, We got a big week coming up on the show, right? Tomorrow, 6 p.m. on Tuesday, August 1st, is the trade deadline. Now, I won't be live for the trade deadline. And just know, if a trade breaks after I record here, I'm recording here right around 10.30 p.m. Eastern time on Sunday night, it won't be in the Monday episode, but it's going to be in the Tuesday episode. If any trade happens on Monday, if any trade happens on Tuesday, just know, we'll get you on the Wednesday episode, but... Make sure to check out at Locked on Orioles on Twitter for immediate video reactions from yours truly to any deals the Orioles may make. But before they started wheeling and dealing, which I hope they're going to do coming up this week, the O's got a big series win over the weekend against the Yankees, taking the opener 1-0 on Friday night. Then they dropped game two, eight to three on Saturday before coming back to win it nine to three on Sunday night baseball and take two out of three in the series. With the two out of three victories, the Orioles get to 64 and 41 on the season, 105 games into this campaign. They remain just a game and a half up on the Tampa Bay Rays, who also won two out of three this weekend, doing so in Houston against the Astros and for the O's with this series win they are done with the Yankees this year one of the weird parts about the balanced schedule playing less games in your division it is July and the Orioles have zero games against the Yankees left on the schedule but what they did this weekend is win the season series going seven and six against the Yankees which is a good thing because although New York is currently nine games back of the first place Orioles and the Yankees sit in last place lol They, you never know, they've got Aaron Judge back. He came back this weekend. They could catch the Orioles at some point, but if these two teams were to finish with the same record and were vying for any kind of postseason spot at the end of the year, the O's would get that spot because under the new rules, 
No more tiebreaker games. It goes by head-to-head record. And it's the first time the Orioles have won the season series against the Yankees since 2016. So a cool weekend at the yard over the last three days. But let's start with Sunday, the game that just wrapped up as I'm recording here. Sunday Night Baseball for the Orioles. Their first appearance on Sunday Night Baseball since 2018. And they got the job done with a 9-3 victory over the Yankees to clinch the series, winning two out of three. And I'm going to get you the five things you need to know from the Sunday victory. And the first thing you need to know is, well, you can't really start a game offensively any better than that. After Dean Kramer went out there and got a 1-2-3 top of the first inning, the Orioles exploded. It started with Adley Rutschman. Singles on the first pitch he sees from Luis Severino. And remember, the Orioles had very recently demolished, and I mean demolished, Severino. 10 runs against him in less than three innings when they saw him in New York a few weeks ago. He's been real bad this year. He was just as bad on Sunday night. Adley starts it with the single. It doesn't end there. Gunnar Henderson bounces a single. Santander RBI double. Ryan O'Hearn two-run double. Austin Hayes walk. And the Adam Frazier three-run homer was the one that kind of sealed it all. 103 off the bat. First pitch fastball down the middle. Frazier just demolished it into the flag court to make it 6-0. Then Ramon Arias struck out, Jordan Westberg single, James McCann strikes out, but Westberg steals second, Adley Rutschman delivers an RBI single to make it 7-0, and then finally Gunnar Henderson strikes out to end the inning. They send 11 men to the plate in that first inning, seven hits, seven runs, a walk as well. Severino did strike out the side, all three of his outs were strikeouts, but what a performance that was from the Orioles offense in that first inning, got people into it immediately and quieted those Yankee fans at the yard very quickly. Second thing you need to know from this one is that it wasn't just in the first inning, but the entire lineup got on base in this game. The Orioles used 10 different hitters in this one, and all of them got on base at least once. Rutschman, three hits. Gunner, two hits. Santander had one. O'Hearn had two. Hayes was 0 for 3, but did draw a walk. Frazier had the home run. Arias had a single. Westberg had a single. Ryan McKenna, who came in for defense, had a single. And even though James McCann was 0 for 3 with three strikeouts, he was hit by a pitch and reached base in the game as well. Up and down the lineup, nine runs on 12 hits for the Orioles, three walks as well. They were just getting it done against Severino, who went three and a third, nine runs, 10 hits, five Ks, two walks, and a homer. O's bludgeoned him once again in this game. Third thing you need to know from this one to kind of be specific on one hitter, Adley Rutschman was looking pretty comfortable in the leadoff spot for the Orioles. It was a change that the O's made this weekend, and they did it on Saturday for the Saturday game, switching Adley Rutschman into the leadoff hole and putting Gunnar Henderson in the two spot. And that was the first time Adley had batted leadoff in his career. It had either been Mullins or Hayes or Gunnar Henderson ahead of him at different points. He went 0-2 with a walk in the Saturday game from the leadoff spot, but in the Sunday game, he made them pay. I mentioned singling on the first pitch. He ends up going 3-for-4 with three singles, a walk, and an RBI to get his OPS back up over 800 on the season. He's now been on base in 15 consecutive games. Adley's starting to get hot again at the plate, and maybe this move to leadoff 
is the move the O's need. You know, with Cedric Mullins out, they don't have more of that traditional leadoff hitter on the roster. They were going with Henderson for a while because he gets on base so well, but also with the power, you'd like him to have at least somebody on ahead of him. Well, Adley's your main on-base guy, so I get that it's a catcher. Catchers don't usually hit leadoff, but why not? Let's do it, and it worked out for the O's on Sunday night. Fourth thing you need to know from this one, the O's 9-3 win on Sunday over the Yankees as we switch it over to the pitching side. Dean Kramer didn't exactly pitch well with a large lead in this one. I mentioned the 1-2-3 inning in the first. Orioles get him seven runs in the bottom of the first, and yes, he did have to sit for a while. And then he started to look shaky. A couple of walks, he loads the bases in the second. Buzz does get out of it with the zero up there. But then a run in the third, a run in the fourth, allows the leadoff man on in the fifth. He would come around to score, and Kramer would leave the game. He goes just four-plus innings in this one, three runs on seven hits. Did have seven strikeouts to only two walks, allowed a solo home run to Jake Bowers in the third inning. But he threw 90 pitches and recorded just 12 outs, six hard-hit balls against him. Just not what you wanted when you get a 7-0 lead in the first inning. You know, even if your starter gives up three or four runs, if you can get them through six or seven innings in that spot, that really helps you out and saves your bullpen. He just didn't have his best stuff. He got 11 whiffs, but the velo was a little down. I thought the four-seamer was good. The rest of his pitches just were not playing very well in this one. It just wasn't the, the greatest day for Kramer. They needed him to get longer into the game, and unfortunately he did not. And it kind of just, you know, was another marker that, the O's need to add a starter at some point here. But the fifth and final thing you need to know from the Orioles' 9-3 win over the Yankees Sunday is that the bullpen, which has struggled a lot lately, without Felix Bautista, didn't need to use Felix in this one with a six-run lead, the bullpen put up five strong innings in this game. And you love to see that, especially when you're not using Felix. Mike Bauman threw a scoreless fifth. Shintaro Fujinami was awesome. Two scoreless innings in the sixth and the seventh with four strikeouts and just one hit allowed. He was masterful once again. His velo was up. He got six whiffs in the six outs that he recorded. I mean, the splitter was ridiculous. Four whiffs on six swings against that pitch. And then they went to Danny Coulomb, who had himself a nice-looking inning in the eighth. And then how about Yenier Cano? One, two, three innings, strikes out the side in the ninth. Now I get it. Right? It was a six-run lead in the ninth inning, but it was nice to get Cano out there in a much lower-pressure situation. He's been in so many high-pressure spots lately, and to see him strike out the side on 17 pitches, that was huge because one big issue for him lately, the strikeouts have been way, way down. They were way up, of course, on Sunday, and that contributed to the fact that Orioles pitching set a new season high for strikeouts in a game. Seven from Kramer, one from Bauman, four from Fuji, three from Coulomb, who struck out the side, and three from Cano, who struck out the side as well. And the Orioles struck out 18 batters for the 27 outs they recorded against the Yankees on Sunday, a new season high for the Birds, and they clinched that win on national TV. It was fun to see them just bludgeon the Yankees in front of a national audience. But there had to be another win in there, of course, for the Orioles, for them to get two out of three and win the series. And they got that win on Friday night in a very different fashion. It wasn't exactly the offense in that one. It was Grayson Rodriguez and one set of heroics from Anthony Santander. We'll recap Friday night's walk-off win coming up after this. But first, this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. You can take your first swing at betting 
on Major League Baseball games on FanDuel. And you can get 10 times your first bet amount in bonus bets up to $200. That's right. Just bet 20 bucks and you'll land $200 in bonus bets. Win or lose. That's 200 you can spend betting everything from the money line to the over-under to who you think is going to hit the first home run. And all on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Plus, when you win, you can get paid instantly. There's no better place to bet on MLB than FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. So sign up today and visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to get up to $200 in bonus bets. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball. So the Orioles take the series two out of three from the Yankees over the weekend, getting the Sunday night baseball win eight to three to clinch the series. But the series all started with a W for the Orioles as well on Friday night, winning it one nothing over the Yankees to take game one of the series. And I'm going to get you the five things you need to know from the O's one nothing victory on Friday night. The first thing you need to know is Anthony Santander was the hero and was the only offense in this game for either team. A 0-0 game throughout the night into the bottom of the ninth, and Santander steps on with one out and nobody on base, and he finally, somebody finally delivered in this game, and it was Anthony Santander launching a walk-off home run deep into the night in deep right center field, a changeup that actually wasn't even in the strike zone from Tommy Canely. That would have been a ball had Santander not swung, but he was clearly sitting changeup, was all over it. 108 off the bat, traveled a ridiculous 425 feet to right center field for the walk-off homer to give the O's a 1-0 win to start out the series. And hey, <clears throat> they didn't get much offense in this game. It was just their fourth hit. Yankees only had four hits. It was the Orioles' only extra base hit of the night was the walk-off homer. I mean, all the O's got was a single from Rutschman, the Santander homer, a single from Mountcastle, and a single from Arias. On the Yankee side, they had a single from Rizzo, two singles from LeMahieu, and a single from Jake Bowers. That was it. Otherwise, Judge walked three times, McKinney walked once, and on the O's side, Hayes walked once. That was all the offense we saw all night, but the one run was enough for Santander and the Orioles. Second thing you need to know from the Friday night win is that Aaron Boone kind of bungled this one for the Yankees. Now, it's not all on Aaron Boone. The offense did absolutely nothing. In the first game, Judge was back. And listen, the Orioles did a good job, right? They just didn't really want to pitch to Judge. They pitched to him Saturday, and he burned him with a homer and a couple of big hits. But Friday, they just walked him three times. They did not want to face him, and then he was out of the lineup for some reason in Sunday's game, said he was a little sore. And other than Judge, nobody was doing anything. But on the pitching side, Boone made just a decision that I still can't believe. I mean, Garrett Cole, right, was just dominant in this game. Seven scoreless innings from Cole. He was his regular self. Michael King comes in, gets two outs in the eighth, walks a batter, and the lefty Henderson comes up. So Boone goes to Wandy Peralta, you know, really good lefty, 2-2-9 ERA on the season. He had allowed just two runs in his last 20 appearances. He had only pitched once earlier in the week. He was fully rested. You get Henderson coming up you're going to go to Peralta because Henderson doesn't hit lefties well, and Peralta is crazy tough on lefties. And Peralta gets a first-pitch ground out to end the eighth inning. So it's a 0-0 game going to the ninth. Peralta is well-rested. He's been amazing lately, and he's only thrown one pitch. And the next three batters in the Orioles lineup are Adley Rutschman, Anthony Santander, and Ryan O'Hearn. Now, although Rutschman and Santander are both very good from the right side, 
I think in a tie game, you'd rather face a switch hitter from the right side at Camden Yards because it's much harder to hit a homer as a right-handed batter because the walls move back and left, and then you would get a lefty-lefty with O'Hearn, who does struggle a bit against lefties. So it seemed like the easy choice was, okay, you leave in Peralta for the bottom of the ninth as long as, you know, it's not a save situation and they go to Clay Holmes. Well, it's still a 0-0 game, and for some reason, Boone takes Peralta out after one pitch. I could not believe it. Canely comes in, and he did strike out the first hitter, Rutschman, and then Santander got the pitch and delivered to give the Orioles the win. Yankees fans do not like Aaron Boone right now, and uh, that was one of the reasons why. Third thing you need to know from the Orioles' 1-0 win on Friday night is that Grayson Rodriguez was all capital letters Grayson Rodriguez in this one. Best start of his major league career goes a career-high six and a third scoreless innings on just three hits, strikes out four and walks two, throwing 97 pitches with seven hard-hit balls against him in six and a third innings. And it was once again a fastball-heavy approach. 55 of his 97 pitches were fastballs, but the fastball was working. He got eight of his 12 whiffs on that four-seamer. The velocity was way up. He hit 100 multiple times in this game, got a couple of strikeouts on 100-mile-per-hour pitches, was sitting 98 and was up to 100. That's pretty impressive from Grayson Rodriguez. Again, worked in the changeup, looked good, fit in the slider when he could. You know, a couple of cutters and curveballs here and there, but it was mainly four-seam changeup and slider. And he just had the Yankees off balance all night. He pitched with confidence. He got out of the very few jams that he got himself into. And six and a third scoreless was just so, so impressive from Grayson. It's now been three good starts since he returned from AAA. And it seemed like whatever he did down there worked for the rookie righty. He is now the Grayson we were promised. And it is fun, fun to watch the righty out there. Fourth thing you need to know from Friday's win is that while the Orioles' bullpen did put up a full zero, each so-called setup man did give you a little bit of worry in this game. After Rodriguez allowed a one-out single to DJ LeMahieu in the seventh inning, he was pulled in favor of Shintaro Fujinami. And what did Fujinami do? Well, he ended up walking Billy McKinney. You don't really want to walk Billy McKinney, but he walks Billy McKinney to put two on and one out. Now, on the flip side, Fujinami then induced... An inning-ending 6-4-3 double play off the bat of Harrison Bader to get the Orioles out of the seventh. But it was a walk to the first battery faced, and that is not what you want to see out of Fujinami. Then the O's went to Yenier Cano in the eighth inning in a 0-0 game. And Cano did not have the best stuff going. He allowed a hit and a walk. He got two outs, but one of them was an incredible diving catch in right field from Anthony Santander that took away extra bases from Anthony Volpe to start off the inning. Then there was a Bowers hit. And then he ended up walking Judge, which was probably the smart call. And then the Orioles went to Danny Coulomb with two on and two out against Anthony Rizzo. And Rizzo hit a ball pretty hard. A ball that looked like it was headed for right field for the go-ahead base hit, 101 off the bat. But shout out to Adam Frazier, who made a game-saving diving play at second base to keep the game tied. But a little shakiness from each reliever. But the fifth and final thing you do need to know from the Orioles' one nothing win on Friday night is that, hey, Even if there's shakiness, there's always Felix Bautista. He returned after four days off, pitched the top of the ninth in a 0-0 game, and he does what he always does. One, two, three inning, two strikeouts, just 11 pitches thrown by Felix on Friday. It ended up being his only outing of the weekend, so he's got to be really well-rested right now. He he is looking at, at the moment, you know, just one outing in seven days, six out of seven days off, but the stuff was still super crisp 
for Felix. Four whiffs on six swings. It's just ridiculous what he does out there. Kept it tied. And then, of course, Santander in the bottom half of the ninth playing hero with the walk-off homer to give the O's the one nothing win. But sandwiched in between the two wins was, of course, a loss in this series. The Orioles weren't able to sweep it as they lost 8-3 to on Saturday. And really the big reason they lost that game, it was another huge struggle for Tyler Wells. And it was so bad and he looked so off that the Orioles then on Sunday sent him down to the minors. So coming up next, we're going to talk about why the O's made that move, what's going wrong for Wells, and now what's next for him and the Orioles starting rotation. So the Orioles did take two out of three from the Yankees over the weekend, winning another series in the AL East. They have been just so great in divisional play this season. And another divisional series comes up starting tonight. No days off for the Orioles as they go right back to it with an absolutely pivotal series coming up against the Toronto Blue Jays. The Blue Jays, who just took two out of three from the Angels this weekend, Sitting in third place right now, they sit five and a half games behind the Orioles in the division standings, and the Blue Jays currently hold the third and final AL wildcard spot two and a half games up on the Boston Red Sox. So a really big four-game series commences in Toronto starting tonight. A 7.07 p.m. Eastern time start for game one of the series tonight. The Orioles will send Kyle Gibson out to the mound tonight in game one, the 4-6-8 ERA and 127 innings for the veteran right-hander. Coming off, though, a good start against the Phillies, right? Six innings, two runs, four hits, five Ks, and no walks for Kyle Gibson in that one. I think the O's would totally take it if he repeated it. He has faced the Blue Jays once already this year. It was in Toronto on May 17th. He was masterful in that one. Seven innings of one-run ball for Gibson. I'll certainly take that once again. And on the other side for the Blue Jays who come in at 59 and 47, it's Chris Bassett, the 34-year-old righty who's got a 3.91 ERA and 127 innings on the season. Bassett was just kind of so-so in his last start, 5 innings, 2 runs, 4 hits, 6 Ks and 4 walks on the road against the Dodgers last week. But the Orioles have seen Bassett already this season. And uh, that one did not go so well for Chris Bassett. It was a June 13th game in Baltimore. You may remember a Gunnar Henderson grand slam in the third inning. Yeah, the Orioles got to Bassett for eight runs on 11 hits over three innings, including three long balls. Let's see if they can do that again tonight. And you can listen to every single pitch of the Orioles' hometown radio broadcast of tonight's game one between the O's and the Jays on the SXM app through SiriusXM. Just download the app and search Orioles. So the O's will take on the Blue Jays tonight in another ALE series. They obviously would love to sweep that one, but even three out of four in a series win would be great. And you know that's about what they did this weekend. The series went over the Yankees, but weren't able to sweep because they did lose the middle game 8-3 to three on Saturday. And as I mentioned, a big reason why was because Tyler Wells was just once again not himself in the Saturday start. Wells goes just two and two-thirds innings, allowing three runs on three hits. He struck out just one. He walked three and allowed two home runs in the game, one to Stanton and one to Judge. His fastball velocity was down. He was more so like sitting 92. I mean, it was a little concerning for a guy who's been up around 94 most of the season. He was kind of really sitting 91 in this game. That's not what you want to see. 
And it's kind of been a disaster for Wells. In the three starts since the All-Star break, Wells has pitched just a combined nine innings, allowing 11 runs on 10 hits, eight strikeouts to nine walks, three hit batters, and four home runs in that time. It has not been good. And it just looks like the fatigue has started to set in, and that was after an amazing first half. When he threw 104 and two-thirds innings, 3-1-8 ERA, had one of the lowest whips in the league at .93 throughout that first half, you can make an easy argument that he was the Orioles' best starting pitcher before the All-Star break. And they tried to give him some extra rest coming out of the break because they knew he was coming close to the, you know, career high in innings. And it just, he looks fatigued. He looks tired. The mechanics are off. The velocity is down. And Wells said after Saturday's game that he doesn't feel injured. He doesn't feel fatigued. But just watching him pitch, it looks completely different. So what did the Orioles do? You know, we talked about this on Twitter during the start Saturday that they probably were going to have to send him down. I mean, he still does have minor league options. And that's exactly what they did. The Orioles announcing Sunday that they had optioned Tyler Wells to double A Bowie. And it recalled Joey Crable to uh, make a corresponding move. Edward Bizzardo was also DFA'd off the 40-man to make room for Crable. Crable will probably just be here, hopefully, for a few days. And then uh, maybe DFA'd himself when the Orioles, hopefully, bring in another pitcher, hopefully starting pitcher, via a trade. But it just, it was rough to watch. And Brandon Hyde said, you know, they're hoping to keep him built up down in AA. Now, some people wondered, oh my God, you know, he's not even going to AAA. He's going to AA. What's going on? It literally doesn't matter where he goes. I mean, remember Alec Manoa, when he was struggling with the Blue Jays, went down to the FCL. Like, it's just wherever they feel most comfortable. For the Orioles, they feel most comfortable with Wells at AA because it's closest to Baltimore, AA Bowie is. And it's probably easier to kind of fit him into the rotation while giving him a rest in Bowie, maybe than it is in Norfolk or somewhere else. And maybe they don't want to send him all the way to Florida to the complex league. So that's where he is now. I would guess Wells is going to get a little break, right? I would imagine maybe another week off before he pitches again. Maybe they'll have him build up a bit. Now, Hyde did say, you know, he still wants him built up as a starter. I just feel like the fact that Wells has hit, you know, there's no innings limit. Mike Elias said, you know, he talked to the media Friday and he said there's not really an innings limit. There's no science behind innings limits. And and he is right. I, I commend him for saying that. That's a good thing for the Orioles in the future with their young pitchers. But... That doesn't mean that your body doesn't start to get tired a little earlier when, you know, Wells at this point is right around 115 innings, and that's just at about, you know, the most he's ever thrown professionally in one season. He's basically just shy of that number right now, and he's really starting to break down. And it makes you concerned, can he really throw, you know, 30, 40 plus more innings this year? I don't think he can. And so, you know, we don't know. We just don't know. They're not going to tell us what the Orioles' full plans are for Tyler Wells right now. At the very least, he'll stay down for the, you know, required 15 days, and then they'll see what he looks like after that. But for me, I would maybe, you know, what I said, give him a rest for a week, then have him pitch out of the bullpen for a week in A, and then after that kind of reassess where you are because he was a dominant reliever in 2021 when he first came to the Orioles. His stuff plays up. And even if he's not 100%, if he can still throw, I mean, you got to think he's one of the Orioles' 13 best arms. And so you'd like to have him in some capacity down the stretch for this playoff chase. I mean, the O's are going to be in the postseason, and I want to see Tyler Wells pitching in the postseason. But at this point, it feels like it's going to have to be as a reliever, right? I mean, the O's can still try him as a starter. I mean, it'd be great. They need the starting pitching depth, and he was good early in the year. 
but it just feels like the best course of action here is give him some time off, you know, maybe a week or two, then start using him in a relief role in double A, maybe move him up to triple A for a couple relief games and then bring him back to the big leagues you know, maybe three weeks from now by the end of August and get him into that bullpen and just see if he can give you another weapon because the O's bullpen needs help too. That's what I feel like I would do right now because he just, he doesn't look right. I would love for him to still be a starter at some point this year. I just feel like bullpen might be the better option. Now, if you're going to do that, you absolutely need a starter right now. And that is where we're going to finish today's episode. Even... If it's just short-term and he comes back as a starter, the O's need another starting pitcher. With Wells and AAA, you're looking at Kyle Gibson, Grayson Rodriguez, Dean Kramer, Kyle Bradish. Your fifth guy right now is Cole Irvin. He's still on the roster as the long man. You know, he pitched in relief of Wells in Saturday's game, and he has been in the rotation for multiple since this year. You traded for him this offseason to be a starter. You do technically have the five starters on the roster right now. The issue is, I don't trust Irvin to start right now. You know, I think he's fine as the long guy in the bullpen at this point. I don't know if I trust him back in the rotation. And even if you do put Irvin in the rotation, if anybody else gets injured, right, or anybody else starts to struggle a lot more, or you put him back in there and Irvin struggles again, you essentially have nothing behind those five right now. So even if you want to argue, oh, the O's don't need to go get another starter, they can just put Irvin into the five spot, okay, what about behind that? You're going to need somebody else for the rest of the year. John Means isn't going to be back till early September at the earliest, and even then, he might not be a starter. He might be a reliever for a while as he still builds back up. D.L. Hall pitched two nice innings in the FCL Friday. The Orioles, Mike Elias said Friday, they're still considering maybe building him back up to be a starter. I think we're all in agreement. Just have him be a reliever, fast-track him to the majors, and get him in the bullpen. He's not really an option. Austin Voth is pitching on rehab. You're really going to trust him, how he's looked this year? So your other starter options, your sixth and seventh options right now, are Drew Rahm and Bruce Zimmerman. I don't think a lot of Orioles fans feel great with that, even if you put Irvin into the five spot with those being the sixth and seventh options. You need better options for depth than that. And that is why, with this Wells move, it would essentially be malpractice by the Orioles front office right now to not acquire at least a you know replacement-level starting pitcher that can eat some innings for a while in August. At the very least, like at the very least, you need to go get Rich Hill or something, right? Just to eat some innings and be a fifth starter. If they don't, they, I feel like, are sabotaging this team if they don't at least go get somebody. Now, who's out there? Because moves have been made over the weekend, and the O's lost out on some guys they were targeting. Lucas Giolito is gone, traded to the Angels, and people said, oh, the O's could have beaten that package. They could have, but the White Sox really wanted a catcher. I talked about this last week, a high-level catcher in the minors. They got that in Edgar Cuero. The Orioles just didn't have that. Jordan Montgomery is gone. That one hurt. Went in a package deal with the reliever Chris Stratton. Went over to the Rangers. That one hurt. People said O's could have beaten that deal. Yes, they could have. But the Cardinals really said they wanted upper-level pitching in all of the trades they make. O's did not have a pitcher that could have beaten Takoa Roby. A very good, you know, basically the top right now Rangers pitching prospect, some people would argue. O's don't have a pitching prospect that good that they could have dealt. That's probably why they didn't get the Montgomery deal done. 
Max Scherzer went to the Rangers. Orioles weren't eating any of that money. We know John Angelos isn't doing that. It's going to be the same for Justin Verlander if he gets dealt. And then Lance Lynn and Joe Kelly from the White Sox went to the Dodgers. And that was a trade the Orioles certainly could have matched. Now, it was a pretty high price for a guy like Lance Lynn, who's really struggled this year with a 6-plus ERA. But that is a price, that return that the Orioles certainly could have met. It just feels like maybe Elias and Angelos didn't want to give up that much for Lance Lynn and Joe Kelly. So who is still out there as we approach tomorrow's deadline at 6 p.m.? Jack Flaherty from the Cardinals, a rental. Verlander's out there. They're not trading for Verlander. Carlos Carrasco, rental from the Mets. He's been terrible. I mentioned Rich Hill. That could be the guy. Michael Lorenzen is still there, right? I mean, he's been connected to the O's. He's still my prediction that they're going to go get, along with a reliever from the Tigers. And then Eduardo Rodriguez, you know, the former Orioles prospect, is still out there with Detroit. That's just some of the names, probably the most likely names to still be dealt that are still there. So they're still pitching for the Orioles to get. I would have loved to get Montgomery. They didn't do it. My prediction was Lorenzen. It's still out there. We shall see if it happens. But again, they need a starter right now. Even if it's just Rich Hill, I'm going to be upset. But at the very least, they need somebody like that to pitch some innings for this team with Wells in the minors. Literal malpractice. Sabotaging their own team if they don't get a starter. That's how I feel right now. Clock's ticking, Michael Elias. If you have to reach, you said you would reach on Friday. Go reach and get somebody to help this team right now. Because this team can win a World Series. But they got to get there first. I get you don't need five starters in the playoffs, right? Maybe the guy they go get doesn't even pitch much for him in the postseason. That's fine. But you need five starters to get to the postseason and win a division. And that's what the O's are looking to do right now. And that's why they need somebody else. And hopefully they can do it. And if they do make that move, then I'm back with you tomorrow. Breaking down the O's trade. If they don't, we'll still recap game one between the O's and the Jays. And still talk deadline as we head into Tuesday. But until then, I'm Connor Newcomb, and this has been the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day.